Hey guys, I'm Chastity, and you're listening to the Ancient Conspiracies Podcast, where we connect the origins of some of the most popular conspiracy theories to biblical history. Well, today we're going to cover a very interesting topic to me, and that is secret societies. And I'm actually going to split it up into two different episodes because, y'all, this was a painful topic for me to cover. Most of the information that I've covered up to this point, I've had notes on for years, but I quickly realized that I didn't really have any notes of significance on secret societies. And the problem with researching secret societies is that there are numerous directions that you can run in. And I wanted to track down their ancient origins, which are not only less known, but also a little harder to track. And I'm just going to give you a forewarning today. If you hear some scratches in the background, that's my dog. (laughs) She usually stays at my feet. And most of the time I edit uh, those noises of the background out of the audio. Um, But yesterday she was diagnosed with cancer. So today they hold a more special significance to me. So if you hear scratching in the background, she's at my feet, ever present, and she's just stretching out. So as you probably realized, my goal so far with this podcast has been to lay a timeline of information and then to build onto that timeline with each episode. We're slowly working our way to modern day while tracking the silver thread woven throughout history. And these secret societies really serve as a bridge between the ancient past and the coming new age. And their symbolism is sprinkled everywhere in modern day, including throughout the United States of America. And we're going to cover that after Thanksgiving. So as we cover these secret societies, I'm going to be referencing content from a book called The Genesis 6 Conspiracy by Gary Wayne. And he has done a phenomenal job of researching and compiling in incredible depth much of the information that I'm going to present. It really is a fantastic book and worth adding to your library if these are topics that are of interest to you. And if books aren't your thing, he's also done numerous interviews that you can find podcasts for or search on YouTube covering a vast number of topics from his book. I really can't recommend his material enough. It falls right into line with the information that I also believe and promote. So with that, let's start at the beginning. And you might want to brace yourself because this is going to be a heavy episode. Most secret societies can trace their origins back to the pre-flood world. In fact, Albert Mackey, who was one of the preeminent historians for the Freemasons, wrote the book, The History of Freemasonry. And in it, he takes Freemasonry back to Nimrod, and really even further than that, back to the descendants of Cain. The Freemasons believed that in the Garden of Eden, there were seven sacred sciences given to Adam by God. But upon eating from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, this knowledge was somehow instantaneously corrupted. Now, Freemason legends state that Adam didn't forget these sacred sciences and actually continued to practice them in a limited way after being banished from Eden. And it's believed that naturally he shared this knowledge with his two sons, Cain and Seth. Now, Seth and his descendants were believed to have focused more on the science of astronomy. And from this, they mapped the movement of the heavens to create seasons and used these for planting and harvesting. In fact, the lineage of Seth all the way to Noah were known for working the land. So knowledge of seasons were vital to their prosperity. And we see this with Enoch, who was given a tour of the heavens by God and wrote about it in his book of Enoch. And we also see this with his great-grandson, Noah, who we're told in Genesis 9 was a farmer and grew a vineyard first thing after the flood. 
Cain, on the other hand, was believed to focus on the science of geometry, which was synonymous with masonry. And this is verified in Genesis chapter 4, verse 17, where we're told that Cain built a city. And then he named it after his firstborn son, Enoch. And this is where things start to get confusing. In case you weren't aware, there are actually two separate Enochs in Scripture, both from the pre-flood era and both with the exact same name spelling. Enoch, the son of Cain, and Enoch from the line of Seth, who was the great-grandfather of Noah. Now, I personally think that this was by design to insert confusion because the stories of these very different men, a God-fearing Enoch and an occultist Enoch, get intermingled throughout history as if they're the same person, but they're not. And Cain's descendants appear to have focused on the corrupt version of knowledge that was introduced by the serpent in the Garden of Eden. In fact, it's believed that by the time of the flood, the descendants of Cain were so corrupt, violent, and anti-God that they became susceptible to the fallen angel influence and thoroughly violated what was left of their innocence by mating with the fallen angels. And this left their original nature completely unrecognizable. And this was the reason for the flood. Everything had become completely corrupted, including genetics and knowledge. Now, the Freemasons believed that Enoch etched his knowledge on pillars of stone so that it would survive the flood. And they actually accredit the invention of sacred symbols and hieroglyphs to Enoch. If you remember from my earliest episodes, I mentioned that the Arabic writers told of pyramids and pillars erected by Enoch, on which he engraved the arts and the instruments of them. And they too claimed that he had invented letters and wrote books. And this is a gray area because the Enoch that descended from Seth was also believed to have written the history of the pre-flood world, which was then preserved aboard the Ark by his great-grandson Noah. And his writings were promoted as being inspired by God and were even quoted by Jude, the actual brother of Jesus, in the New Testament. So could they have both had this knowledge of writing? Two people with the same name and the same gift, both preserving their version of history to survive the flood? Well, I think the logical explanation is that there were generations separating Enoch, the son of Cain, from Enoch, the descendant of Seth. So it's possible that as centuries passed, others also learned this skill, including the descendants of Seth. Or, Scripture tells us that Enoch, the descendant of Seth, walked with God. So maybe God preserved the true knowledge by teaching it again to the godly Enoch, with the goal of it being preserved by the descendants of Noah. Either way, the Gnostics claim that Hermes, who we've established in previous episodes to be the biblical Cush, the father of Nimrod, supposedly finds the pillars that Enoch had engraved prior to the flood and brings them to Nimrod within a hundred years after the flood. And it's suspected that he also translated them for Nimrod, who then uses them to build the first constitution for his new kingdom. And from this Masonic knowledge, he builds the Tower of Babel and essentially becomes the first Grand Master of the Masonic religion. And the knowledge that Nimrod obtained must have been legit because we're told in Genesis 11 by God himself that had they succeeded in building the tower, nothing they planned to do would have been impossible for them. Therefore, he confused their language. Now, in the early 1700s, James Anderson wrote a list of constitutions based on old Masonic manuscripts. 
And these constitutions form the foundation of modern Freemasonry. And in them, he claims that the perversion of the sacred knowledge given to Adam originated with Enoch. Now, he doesn't say which Enoch, but I think we can safely assume that it's the son of Cain. And Enoch was believed to have appointed festivals and sacrifices to the sun at periods when the sun entered certain zodiac signs. He claims that Enoch was associated with sun worship and was considered an idol worshiper. And Enoch taught these sacred mysteries in religious rites and ceremonies. And if Enoch did indeed preserve this knowledge on stone prior to the flood, which was then brought to Nimrod by his own father Cush, then this explains how idol worship and sun worship was then taken from Babel and promoted in every civilization after the people were dispersed. And to verify this, William Hutchinson, an early Freemason, wrote a book called The Spirit of Freemasonry. And in it, he claims that the sacred knowledge from the pre-flood world given to Adam was also preserved by Noah, whose family promoted the true version of knowledge. But it once again became corrupted at Babel by the pagans, who adopted hidden symbols and meanings to the knowledge and then taught their false doctrine esoterically, meaning they created small groups of people who were specialized in the knowledge, what we would consider today secret societies. And even other resources, like Dr. George Oliver, who wrote a book in the early 1800s called Antiquities of Freemasonry, claimed that modern masonry at the time was connected to paganism, and its ceremonies came from pagan mysticism. He claimed that it was connected to the Egyptian religion. And that's an interesting connection because Egypt was the first civilization that seems to have sprung to life instantaneously with knowledge and technology after Babylon. And it's suspected that Hermes, or Cush, the father of Nimrod, after decoding the hieroglyphs for Nimrod, then went to Egypt. Ancient Egypt was first called Mizraim, the name of Cush's brother and Nimrod's uncle. And in Egypt, Cush became known as Thoth, a god known for his wisdom on ancient sacred texts, and also mathematics, sciences, and magic. And then he later settled in Greece in the Peloponnesian Mountains and became the Greek god Hermes, who was known as a god of trade, traveling, and he was often called a divine messenger. In fact, Hermes was often depicted with wings on his sandals to represent his role as a messenger between mankind and the spirit world. Maybe this came from his ability to divinate or channel spirits utilizing the knowledge from Enoch that he had deciphered after the flood. And from both of these civilizations, a figure emerges called Hermes Trismegistus, which was a merging of the Egyptian god Thoth and the Greek god Hermes, which both civilizations believed to be the same person, because they were, they were Cush. And this new name was their attempt to make him one person recognized by all. And his writings and philosophies became known as Hermeticism. And one of the things that he promoted above others was alchemy, the ancient forerunner of modern science. And alchemy became known as the Hermetic art or the Hermetic philosophy. In fact, the Rosicrucians called Hermes the patron saint of alchemists. And Arabic writers claimed that he came from Babylon wrote alchemy in Egypt, and then taught Pythagoras in Greece, exactly as we tracked his travels a minute ago. 
And Pythagoras, if you don't remember, was the Greek philosopher who, among many things, founded the famous mathematical equation, Pythagorean Theorem. So let's talk alchemy for a minute because it's going to become relevant going forward. Now, alchemy is one of the things that became woven throughout secret societies as time went on. In fact, Isaac Newton was a mathematician, physicist, and astronomer by day, but at night he turned to alchemy. And it's believed that he actually left behind more manuscripts dealing with alchemy and the hidden arts than actual mathematic or physical writings. Now, from what I can glean, the mysterious substance at the root of alchemy is called the Philosopher's Stone, and it was believed to be capable of turning base metals like mercury into gold or silver. It was also known for rejuvenation and achieving immortality and the ability to heal all forms of illness. And it was considered a symbol of perfection and the ultimate enlightenment. The earliest alchemical writers claimed that its history went back to Adam, who was given the stone by God, and this is why he and his descendants had lifespans that were incredibly long. And the Philosopher's Stone has been the inspiration behind popular modern movies like Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. The original title was Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone. Now, alchemy eventually morphed into different variations of what we would consider today sciences, one of which was chemistry, which came from the study of those elements which they were attempting to combine in order to create pure metals. And if you remember from before, alchemy was also known as the hermetic philosophy, and philosophy deals with the mind. Therefore, another science to come from alchemy was psychology, the relationship between your mind and behavior. And another science was spiritualism, accessing the spirit world in search of divine consciousness. And finally, medicine, pharmaceuticals, the branch of alchemy attempting to prolong life and cure illness. And all of these sciences contain characteristics of the mythical philosopher's stone. In fact, in Greece, Hermes was often depicted carrying a staff or a wand on which is intertwined two serpents, and at the top of the wand is a set of wings. And this is where we get our modern-day symbol of medicine, the caduceus. And you can even Google images of the caduceus to see exactly what I'm talking about. Then add Hermes to your search, and you'll see him holding the exact same thing. So it's believed that Hermes, or Cush, the father of Nimrod, passed his mystical secrets to an obscure number of followers, what we would call today a secret society, who eventually took the name the Brotherhood of the Snake, named after the serpent in the Garden of Eden that introduced the corrupt knowledge by convincing Adam and Eve to eat of the tree that enlightened them. And this Brotherhood of the Snake was widely known throughout Egypt and Sumeria, which would make sense because Hermes was not only the father of Nimrod, whose kingdom was Sumeria, but he was also the brother of Mizraim, who inhabited ancient Egypt before it became known as Egypt. And one of the symbols for this Brotherhood of the Serpent was called Rex. It's where we obtain our modern-day prescriptions from. The RX on your prescription bottle is an abbreviation of Rex, and it evolved from the ancient logo representing the Eye of Horus, an ancient Egyptian symbol associated with healing powers. 
Now, supposedly, the Brotherhood's secretive rule in ancient Egypt was squashed by Akhenaten, who was famously known for ending polytheism and converting Egypt to monotheism, the worship of a single god. If you remember from previous episodes, it's been speculated that Akhenaten may have been the Egyptian brother to the biblical Moses. And in Samaria, the Brotherhood is mentioned by name in the Sumerian texts dating 6,000 years ago. And they claim that serpentine aliens, who they call the Anunnaki, came to our planet to exploit our resources, especially gold. And because it was hard to mine, they modified the genetics of the primitive beings on the planet to create the first Homo sapiens in order to have slave labor. Eventually, after taking pity on mankind, they decided to enlighten us in secret, and they created the Brotherhood of the Snake. And this is exactly the story that's being circulated in modern docuseries like Ancient Aliens. This concept is the basis for the modern-day ancient astronaut theory. And it's a very strange and corrupt version of the story given in the Book of Enoch. In the Book of Enoch, fallen angels, who were also fiery serpents, the seraphim, descended to earth and also modified the DNA of mankind by lusting after and mating with the women of earth. And they too attempted to enlighten mankind, but with a corrupt version of the truth in which they promoted themselves above God Almighty. So I guess it all depends on who you think is telling the true version of history, but you can clearly see how this fallen angel knowledge birthed the very first secret society. And it's believed that out of this Brotherhood of the Snake eventually came the Freemasons, the Rosicrucians, the Knights Templar, and eventually the Illuminati. And they still carry the belief that they contain the original true knowledge of history, the knowledge that can still bring enlightenment to mankind, which is only revealed to those who can master it. And this is why many secret societies have levels or degrees of mastery. Now, skipping forward in history a little bit, by the time of the Renaissance period, the Catholic Church ruled the world. And by the 17th century, the church and the government, who was usually controlled by the church, used their authoritarian powers to suppress society. And one of the greatest challengers to the power and the message of the church was science and philosophy, both of which originated with Hermes. And there's a history of scientists from Galileo to Copernicus to Sir Francis Bacon who came into conflict with the church's ideals. And it's no coincidence that most of these scientists were also active members within secret societies. Eventually, people grew tired of being dominated, and the church began to lose credibility. Humanity began to recognize that the force restricting their freedom was God, and therefore they had to remove the restrictions of religion so that they could grow intellectually, and this sparked the French Revolution. French revolutionaries argued that only reason should be worshipped, and they built a beautiful woman adorned in blue drapery and proclaimed her the goddess of reason. Reason took the place of faith in God, and the French responded to years of oppression and persecution by the Roman Catholic Church by establishing a new form of government. Instead of a nation with a Christian worldview, they created a society formed with an atheistic worldview, absent of any Christian influence, and it was called the Age of Enlightenment. 
Basically, the hidden knowledge that had been passed down for centuries through secret societies was brought into the public domain. But if it hadn't been for the French Revolution, there wouldn't have been such strides made by science, which, like we said earlier, brought about psychology and modern medicine, among other things. However, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention that science was also used to push the atheist agenda, which attempted to completely disprove God and birthed new concepts of even the very origins of life on Earth, the most famous of which is Darwin's theory of evolution, which continues to be promoted throughout our education system without dispute to this very day. And here's a little fun fact that I'll leave you with today. The French eventually gift a version of the goddess of reason to America during the American Revolution in the 1800s. And she's still on display in New York City today, the Statue of Liberty. In fact, early American art connects Lady Liberty to the Greek goddess of wisdom, Athena. But in Gnosticism, Christianity, and even Jewish Kabbalah, the goddess of wisdom was known as Sophia. In fact, the term philosophia, where we derive our word philosophy, literally translates the love of wisdom. And she comes from the French Revolution, which birthed the Age of Enlightenment, during the very period in history where the teachings of Hermes triumphed over religion. And that's where we're going to end today. Now, next week is Thanksgiving, which happens to be my all-time favorite holiday. So I've decided to take the week off and spend some much-needed time with my family. So our discussion of the secret societies will resume the following week. But when we return, I'm actually going to dive into each secret society. I'll show you how they connect to each other and then continue to push their new age religion even today. It's going to be an enlightening episode, to say the least. In the meantime, I hope you have a wonderful and relaxing Thanksgiving and that you make time to spend with those who you love. If you've enjoyed today's content, please hit the subscribe button, rate today's episode. I'd love to hear your feedback and share this podcast with a friend. We'll see you next time.